Would you like to know my opinion on that? Well, I wouldn't have dragged you up here to the conclave if I didn't want to know. I want to, I just listened to Leo Zagami. It was uh-huh. fun. I love his Italian ways. He's just all over the place. But I think it um, is too confusing for the average listener. So I want you just to give us that nugget. What, what's going on with Ratzinger, Thomas? Well, Betsy, as you know, I have the uh, great pleasure and great curse of having been deeply inside of the Catholic Church, and so I'm not speaking off the top of my head. I'm speaking from direct Okay, disclaimer experience. then. We have to give a disclaimer. Yes. Folks that don't know, um, Thomas w- was at one time a Jesuit, so we have the inside scoop on Jesuitism from a former Jesuit. Um he, I have been with him for 10 years. I can assure you he is not a practicing Jesuit. But <laughs> it's going to take a Jesuit to take down the Jesuits, in my opinion. And I know you know things. We have a Jesuit pope. He is surrounded by a Jesuit curia. He has placed a Jesuit as the head of the Knights of Malta. And he has placed his left hand, lieutenant, uh, in the position of the head of the Jesuits, the um general superior so what we have a jesuit take over the catholic church but we've talked about that a lot but that's what's no we need to focus on what's happening here now what's happening here is it looks as if ratzinger who of course is the opportunist who was a uh, hitler youth and then in the uh the Lufthansen and you know he was not an unwilling participant with the nazis and then the second that they lost and the second that he was hungry because he only had his uniform to wear and people didn't want to give him any food, he smelled some food coming out of a kitchen that belonged to the Catholic Church and that was it for him and his brother. They joined up right away, though in fact his family hated the Nazis and he joined the Nazis and they certainly weren't Catholic and then he became a Catholic. So he's a, basically an opportunist. And Benedict is the first Pope basically in about 800 years to step down before he died, and nobody's ever done that, and and I'm going to explain why he did that. It has everything to do with what this battle is about right now, this apparent battle, but it's not an apparent battle. It's like American politics. It's, called, it's a uniparty. It's a uniparty. So both of them are saying very powerful things, and neither one of them ever did a dadgum thing about arresting a, po- a, a priest pedophile. In the worst cases, they would simply settle, especially here in America, $4.5 billion in settlements through different dioceses. Or in the rare case, and it's rare, I don't even want to give you a number, but it's a rare case that that priest is actually held to the same civil law that you or I are held to and actually even go arrested or even go through an indictment or a conviction or a prison. No, very few of them. And when it's a really, really bad case, like recently, what happened in, um, where was it, in Pennsylvania, the 300 priests in, in Texas, uh, oh, like 500, they got so many names getting put on the list of the priests and so many people who'd been assaulted that they just stopped the list and then they started pouring in from all the different states. This is the second time, second round of this. This is during Francis's round of being the Pope. There was a round of this with Benedict XVI, with Ratzinger, okay? Big round. They had to pay out the $4.5 billion because thousands of people came forward and they started to have class action suits in dioceses until the dioceses, I forget the number, like 47 dioceses had to go bankrupt, paying settlements, and no priests really went to jail. They were simply reassigned. 
They, they didn't go to jail. And in the worst cases, when it's people up at the top, we have seen a few sacrificial lambs be offered up by Francis recently. But in, in the past, nobody was ever offered up. At the worst, and you see this, and you've already seen it with Francis, you saw it with Benedict all the time. They call them to the Vatican City, which has diplomatic immunity, where these priests cannot be arrested. Some of them who have assaulted literally thousands of children. One priest assaulted over 2,000 children. Okay? Had sex with them. Boys, girls, their parents, everybody, everything. Okay? And he didn't go to jail. He was called to Rome under diplomatic immunity inside of the Vatican City. They defrocked him and put him into a monastery somewhere in the world. In other words, continue to take care of this criminal. No jail time, no court, no nothing. This is what happens. And these are, are priests here on American soil. But I'm talking they, specifically about okay. what we know about priests on American soil. All right, because soil. here's the thing. If they are not, if they are subject to a different law, like a Vatican law that's different than the United States law, what we need to do, people, we need to get Cardinal Dolan and all the Jesuits in America, put them on a ship and send them back to the Vatican. Or they can be beholden to the laws here in America. They can make a choice who they're going to be with. It's interesting that you mentioned the Jesuits. I don't usually just like to beat up on them because it's so easy to do, well, <laughs> but I will. Well, but if you look, it's a pointing to this. The Jesuits are the ones who, their they're groups, because they have this, they've, sec, they've sectioned out America into 10 districts, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll explain this in non-Catholic terms. They got 10 districts, right, under one guy, okay? And that one guy is under one guy that is got his own place uh, with equal deep diplomatic immunity as the Vatican City in Rome. So when the suits started coming fast and furious at the Jesuits because they run 20-some universities in America and they were being, it was sexual assault. It wasn't just for children. It wasn't just pedophilia. It was all across the board, and particularly in these universities. These priests were just going crazy. So they kept, ha the 10 districts were sued so many times and they uh, at, that they went bankrupt, a number of them. And then that's when they said, we have to get a plan together. And at that point, when it started to become quite public that you could get in on a class action suit for the sexual assault of a priest on you, and that would, in my age, I mean, the priest has assaulted anybody they want. And there's nothing you can and do about it. And these are civil lawsuits. So there's mon money involved. They're not criminal lawsuits. There's, well, these are settlements. So, okay, so Nobody ever gets convicted. Mm -hmm. When they get convicted, they uh -huh. go to jail and the, and the Pope doesn't have to pay out. So when they paid out over $4.5 billion in a matter of a few years, and those were just the active priests, okay? Now they're going after the priests back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, many of whom were dead. Oh, that'll totally bankrupt the church. That is why Ratzinger, being the person that he was, a good stormtrooper that he was, the good Nazi that he was, the good opportunist that he was, said the following, I take the authority away from all dioceses to handle these sexual assault cases. And we're changing the Catholic rules because he can, he's the Pope and they have canon law, different than all other law. And he said, we're going to now make it that I personally, Pope Ratzinger, the Nazi, am going to be, consider the Catholic Church a corporation, and I am the CEO. 
Therefore, any charges brought against, and remember how we've preached against corporations because they don't have any culpability, they don't have any morality, and they can't be held by the law. So he creates the Catholic Church as a corporation in Italy. Once he's, he's being sued in Italy, this is how this came about for these sexual assaults. And he says, oh, no, 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 we're a corporation and I'm the CEO and I resign. And now he lives exclusively in the Vatican City. He never leaves because if he did, he would be arrested. Because if you think 4.5 billion here in America is something, you're probably gonna be talking about hundreds of billions of dollars in lawsuits. There's so many people would jump on board and it's all true. It isn't fake. But this has got to be a, a wreak havoc on their balance sheets because right now their revenue stream is being cut. They're not getting the money they used to with human trafficking or uh, government aid to, to, to this cause. Obama was the best Catholic of the Muslim Brotherhood for bombing seven countries and creating, you know, 50, 60 million refugees, which the Pope gets paid for each single one of them through the United Nations and through the countries where they um, hold these refugees. So what is really going on was that Ratzinger said, I am the CEO. I am 100% responsible for every one of those cases. And because I am a nation unto myself, which the Vatican City is, it's a nation, it's sovereign unto itself. If my priests get in any trouble, especially the high ranking ones, you know, the bishops, the archbishops, the cardinals, if they get in trouble, I immediately recall them to the Vatican City. And worse comes to worse, I defrock them. But nobody's going to jail because I, Mr. Ratzinger, am going to stay in Vatican City property so that you, no one can arrest me. If I stepped off of the property, he would be arrested taken to international courts, and we'd start in again getting billions of dollars out of the Catholic Church, which, by the way, because of these crimes, this is a, a certain type of evil human racketeering, and they should be closed, and their tax-exempt, well, their tax-exempt status should be pulled, and then they each, uh, each church, case by case, looking at their history, will, uh, to see if they, you know, and also we should not acknowledge the canon law that says that these dioceses are not responsible for the actions of their own priests in a, in a civil or a criminal lawsuit. But don't think for one minute, I know we're, we're focused on Ratzinger right now, but don't think for one minute this pedophilia and human trafficking isn't going on in other large churches in America. Oh, we're going to go okay. there next. Oh, okay. You, I just want to make sure we're... You're always the, prefiguring what I'm about to go to next, which is good. Well, I didn't know that you were doing that. It shows that it's the logical sequence to say, oh, wait a second. It's not just in the Catholic Church. So now we're going to go to what happened in February of 2019 in just a second with Francis. But first, has anybody been able to get to Ratzinger? No. Have any more payments gone out? No, hardly any. Have you seen anybody get arrested? Only in a couple cases. Has anybody... Uh, so there's no settlements. Now they have a better scenario than they even had before. Nobody's getting uh, indicted. Nobody's getting arrested. The accusations have slowed down because why? Ratzinger said he'd take care of it. He didn't. People are still taking... Taking, they're still taking him at his word because he was the Pope. And there's now whole organizations that have gone and st started up in Rome to say, you have not taken care of all these people whose lives were ruined by priests. And you can't get near Ratzinger. So nobody can make any complaints. 
because why the CEO is locked up in what I, I just want to point this out. John Paul II created this little place that now Ratzinger lives. It's called the um, House of the Mother, I believe. And um, Maria Ecclesia, I believe is the name of it. And, you know, the Sisters of St. Clair started there. And what they do, they rotate the different uh, female orders into this little monastery that's within the, the gardens of the Vatican City. Not many people have ever been there. I've had a chance to be there. I've seen this place. It's absolutely like you're in paradise when you're there. It's like paradise. Look it up. Uh, anyway, the point is, he's living there with a few of his associates, <coughs> associates, and these nuns who who take a five-year stint, I think it is, on taking care of the Pope. Well, John Paul II was a saint. He was a genius. His writings were the best thing probably that the Catholic Church has ever produced. His voice alone with his masses and his singing and his Gregorian chant at one point we were the number one sellers on uh, out there in the world, both his books and his everything he did. The man was a saint. So I'm not against the Catholic Church. You can have a lot of saints there, a lot of females probably in these monasteries and nunneries, uh, convents. They are, I, I've ran across people who I thought were saints there. They don't even come out, some of them. Some of these nuns that take care of uh, Ratzinger now, literally, they never come out in public. They're cloistered. But the point is, he was supposed to stay there and shut his mouth. That's what he said he was going to do. He was going to stay there and pray until he came up with a solution for all of the sex assault situations going on in the Catholic Church, which, as you pointed out, Betsy, being an economist that you are, was bankrupting the Catholic Church and was about to totally bankrupt the Catholic Church. It's going to bankrupt the church. I hope it does. And I hope they take away their tax status here in America, at least, and everywhere else, hopefully. So... Ratzinger's there. Now, he's supposed to shut up. So he shut up for seven years or so, about seven years. But now, what happened? Oh, well, you all saw it in the news. The second round started. 300 priests in Pennsylvania, 1,000 priests in Texas, you know, hundreds and hundreds of priests all over the place, and they just had to stop letting people put their name on the list because there were too many people and too many priests were coming out. And this goes, you know, back... This goes way back, okay? They took care of the active ones. No, it was the hippies' problem. Well, but that's what... I didn't go there yet because I'm not getting into the dogma yet. But oh, okay. Ratzinger was the number one dogma chief. He's part of what was called the Sacred Congregation for Dogma and Faith, right? He was basically the leader of the Curia. He's also the one who was supposed to be doing all the investigations into these horrible things these priests did. And he didn't. And so under John Paul II, who was a saint, as I pointed out, he was the ultimate Nazi dogma, doctrine, mean bulldog, junkyard bulldog. No one's seen anything like him in history. Is that when you left the order? He, well, when the uh, when they overthrew the the current um, black pope, as they're called, the head of the Jesuit order, I, I knew that all the people who were doing some really cool work in the Catholic Church, which was actually Christian inside of the Jesuit order, would all be just, we'd all be offed. So I left. I knew I'd be off because they offed the head of the uh, Jesuit order for the first time in history. Just like uh, Benedict XVI was one of the first pre- popes in history to step down while still alive and then call himself Pope Emeritus. 
I mean, where does he think he is? He re, re, rewriting all the rules, but it's okay. He wrote a lot of those rules, <laughs> so I guess he can rewrite them. But he wrote recently a six hundred thousand or six thousand word document, basically saying that Francis isn't doing the right thing. Why did he do that? We'll go there in a second. There was a meeting in February. He's talking about that meeting. That's not in the letter. So you get uh, you get Nazi Pope telling uh, Jesuit Pope, that's who Francis is, Jesuit Pope. You got Nazi Pope telling Jesuit Pope he's not doing enough to hold people responsible. And then with the flimsiest, he's 92 years old, with the flimsiest logic he's ever used in his whole life, Pope Benedict says his, gives his justification as the loose values of the 60s. In other words, he gives an excuse for these priests that were the ones that he had to pay the money out for, okay? As I told you, there were the money now, you know, for the people who, uh, who could get, collect money from people who were still active at the time, who he had to pull out of service. So when they say Benedict did all this great stuff to get rid of priests who were bad, who were uh, pedophiles, and they all called it pedophile at the time. They didn't call it just sexual assault or homophilia. Uh, uh, what do you call it? It's... it's uh, particularly for male on male. I don't know if there's a name for that. Uh, but the point is, is that it wasn't just that. It was sexual assaults all across the board. So he pulled a lot of them back and he had to actually create a place to send these monks. <laughs> just like in California, there were these two huge hospitals where they sent the drunkard priests from the American diocese. It's very standard that the alcoholism was a major problem for a long time. But when the drugs came along, it became, yes, Benedict, sex and drugs uncontrolled, but it had been going on since Roman times. What are you talking about? It is absolutely historic, the sexual deviance of the Catholic Church. The bath boys. They're, it, the bath boys of the Roman Church. Never or, left. The Roman, the, the, the Roman Empire just infiltrated the Catholic Church and uh, just went yeah. underground, just like you've got your senior executive service that's kind of penetrated our bureaucracy. These are kind of the stand behind armies, but in the end, because they're so corrupt, they do they just fall apart. You know, Leo Gazami will tell you, because he lives in Rome, about all these places that these priests go and what they're doing, and it's just disgusting. You can't it's just disgusting. And then they're aligned with all these different other organizations. So it's a it's an old boys club where the girls don't get any power, but they can take care of the Pope in, in, in uh, inside of the Vatican City. But the deal is the Pope Benedict should have just been quiet, but he couldn't. Of course they came and said, you need to write a scathing response to Francis being so hard on the Catholic Church to show that inside of the Catholic Church, there's a battle, some are calling it a schism, it's not, a battle, a schism, because the debate over we must punish these priests. Because Francis, in February of 2019, after seeing all of this, these names come up from practically every state in the Union, and these people say, what are you doing about this? He said, no one can do anything about it. I'm going to have a meeting in February of 2019, which was like I don't know, eight, nine months it was like a, away. What so, was it called? Sexual Predator Conference yeah, or something? It's supposed to address this question of the thousands of people, the, literally, let's just call it the thousands of priests, who in some cases went after hundreds of children, 
Hundreds of children. It depended if they were in orphanages. And then don't get me started on the missing children from Catholic orphanages and all those horrible things that have happened in old folks' homes. No. Let's just focus now. Try to focus. Try to focus, Thomas. Get out of the weeds. Come back to the fact that Francis supposedly gave a scathing, scathing speech at the end of this conference where they beat the question up and they considered it from all vantage points. And then he gives this eight-point summary that what the Catholic Church is going to do about it. Nothing. Half of the summary is that, as you say, Betsy, the rest of the world is absolutely crazy with pedophilia and taking the innocence of children. And he pointed out that that's super evil, but that he pointed out that it's super, super evil when it's in the Catholic Church and that we must stop it now and that everyone must be punished. Everyone, he says, not a single person should go unpunished that is part of this evil. And then what does he do? He blames it on globalism. He blames it on all kinds of other stupid stuff and doesn't take any responsibility for the Catholic Church and comes up with a nothing burger that shows they're going to do absolutely nothing about it. And that got him in so much trouble with so many people that they had to pull out half-dead Benedict XVI, the Nazi, to get his opinion to say, uh, oh no, I want more done. More done for what? Look, look at what, like the top 10 people in Francis's entire global network are all severe pedophiles. I think three of them have been charged, the one in Australia, the two here in America. Do I, do I have to say, do I have to ask the question, what would Christ say about this? That there's no Christ in the Catholic Church now because the Jesuit, except for the true faithful followers who have a well, pious... Well, those followers need to move away from the institution called the Catholic Church. Yes, I recommend you don't give any more money to yes. this devious organization yes. because it's they're not taking it where they say they're taking it no. anyway. But first off, we need for them to answer for their crimes. And just because they can call the priest back to a diplomatic community of the Vatican City doesn't mean that we can't take action ahead of time. We don't let the... You have an accusation against a priest. You make sure that priest gets locked up. Period. Don't use any... Don't tell... Do not fall for the following. This is what everybody fell for. Okay? In the first round, $4.5 billion. This is what everybody fell for. Oh, don't worry. There'll be a second round that will be for class action suits. Unless you have a specific case with a specific priest that you have specific evidence on, there's really no need for you to follow through on this, and there's no need for you to expect the police to do anything because the statute of limitation is over. Plus, we have special immunities, and that's the part they always have at the end. We have special immunities because we have blah, 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 the Vatican City, blah, blah, blah. So we have sent our special representative so from are... the Vatican City to look into this. So if you are a priest in America with the Catholic Church... And you want to rape a little boy, it's okay. They're going to let you do it. No crime committed. Move along. Maybe a little money paid. That's the way it's been for decades, yeah. I just want to make sure we're talking straight what it is. Not anymore. Not anymore. Do what I suggest here, and that priest will go to jail. And, and there is no such thing as diplomatic immunity for because, a, a sex crime. Okay, no so such go. thing. So they're falling for that, that yes. there's immunity. For and here's that. what happens. The Vatican sends a representative. The representative comes and looks into whether or not the police have a record of it, sees whether or not the police are, are already conducive to the Catholic Church. If it is egregious, 
they use their diplomatic immunity to take that priest away from the scene of the crime. And no one is charged well, then, because no one can even be found. These priests are then changed names. They're made into monks or priests in other places, sent to another country, and continue their pedophilia under the auspices of the authority of supposedly Christ. But remember, Jesuits, they're the scholastics who have taken literally vows to protect the Pope under no matter what conditions, even if it means they have to kill for the Pope, they are pre-forgiven for anything they have to do that's evil to protect the Pope. That's the way it is. That's the way it used to be. And that's the old vow. And there's a, a truncated vow now. But the point is, the Jesuits are seen as the Pope's, what it's called, the Black Pope's army. In other words, the white Pope has a Black Pope who has an army that are intelligence officers diplomats and educators who run you know dozens of universities in America and throughout the whole world for propaganda purposes that then create the politicians of our day. You're not going to get into a high po political position unless you go through one of the Jesuit universities or one of their special trainings. Georgetown, uh, the influences on Harvard, the influences on the whole Ivy League. Let's just be serious about it. And well, then, let's just keep in mind that any of these presidential candidates have to have that big banquet with Cardinal Dolan. I mean, what's that all about? That is the Catholic Church's way to remind these two candidates who's really in charge. And it's the Jesuits. The Jesuit Church is the host of the Council on Foreign Relations. Yeah. So all of our foreign policy is determined by the Vatican. So, 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 so then you, this is why you see the Vatican influence in Spygate and the takedown of Donald Trump and the overthrow of Donald Trump. They, too, wanted him down. Joseph Mifsud was a Maltese professor, and it is a Maltese university extension in Rome that where all the spying started with uh, Michael Gaeta. Is that the Link University? Yes, Link University campus in, in Rome. This is nothing more than a spy-producing university uh, for generally Western intelligence, but they tried to insinuate uh, Russian intelligence through Joseph Mifsud, who was, in fact, Maltese. And where is it that one of the uh, Supreme Court justices is going to give a talk this uh, summer? To Malta. To University of Malta, where there's about, you know, a handful of students. No, that's where you go because the Knights of Malta's Vatican Bank extensions and all those who take fealty to the Knights of Malta, in other words, the Pope. And that would be Neil Gorsuch, I'm sorry to say. And Kavanaugh's going to London to get his payoffs. And the Queen takes fealty to the head of the Knights of Malta, who takes fealty to the Pope. Right. So, hello, just take a very simple look at what's going on here, and you will then see that what's happening. Francis is a rogue, he's not rogue, he's a true dyed-in-wool, hiding <laughs> wolf in a sheep's clothing. He's a white pope, but he's the black pope. Underneath those white robes is a Jesuit, a black robe. And he is there to basically end the Catholic Church. There is nothing sacred. There is no doctrine that he is not defiled. And now he's defiled the fact that he will not take any action on his highest associates in the Catholic Church and that to the whole world, he just gives them the middle finger. Is that why hands. we just saw a picture of him on the ground kissing the feet of who they say is going to be the next pope, the, this, the black pope? Well, that's what Leo Zagami says. Now, what he what, Well, I've seen the picture also before I saw it on Leo's show. Well, here's the deal. Who has he taken in to Vatican City, the city that has more money than any other city of its size, except for the city of London, and maybe a certain district in New York? How many refugees has he taken in? 
that would be none. He took in 10 at one point, found two of them were Christians, kicked them out. Later, we found out that the other eight were just escorted and sent off someplace and nobody knows. So all the money given to charity at all the Catholic churches throughout the whole world have paid for eight refugees spending a couple nights at the Vatican City. That's it. That's the entire expense they put out. So let's remember, they make their money off of refugees. And they were making hundreds of billions off of America each year because we weren't vetting any of those people. And those we don't even know if they came in here. Uh, and if they did, they're not here now because we've looked for them. So all these refugees that Obama brought in and paid the Catholic Church and the United Nations to pay for, where are they? They're I challenge anybody to find them. Not long ago, some conservatives tried to find just the last ones on the last list and they're disappeared. There was one family that was found. That was it. And that was only because they'd only been here for days. But and, I bet the money still continues. Uh, the money family. is beyond your imagination. I'm not going to yes. quote it. It'll make you mad. And it goes on for five years and it comes not to the people, not to the refugees, to the agencies that are handling their case for five years. So, wow. Hey, um, I want to... Those are all Catholic agencies. In many cases, corporations set up using Catholic names, literally the word Catholic in the names, and they're not Catholic at all because it's going to corporations so it can then be run through the Vatican Bank. So there's no taxes paid on either end of that one. And it goes just specifically, not to the Catholic Church, which can be tracked for their donations because just by simple logic but it goes through laundering and this is severe laundering and we've pointed this out we've done of course intelligence reports on this so it was a fake battle between the previous pope benedict the 16th and the current pope francis nothing is going to be done on either side and they had to pull benedict the 16th out of retirement because of the most grotesque and egregious continuation of the same policies of sexual assault in the Catholic Church amplified on steroids. Well, okay, you kind of wrap that up. I'm going to throw something way out. Our esoteric um, followers will like this because I happen to know that there's something about John Paul II that you know to be true, and that is that he read Valentin Tomberg. Can you speak to that? Well, yes. Because I think it's a lovely story, and what a nice way to end this. Pope John Paul II was a saint. Um, now, you're not going to like what I'm about to say. Don't We don't care. But Just say it. Here's the bottom line. Take the pictures of him, the, those famous pictures of him holding a book. Take a magnifying glass. In every single case, it's the same book. What is that book? Meditations on the Tarot anonymous it was written it was actually published at a catholic publishing house and in it uh in one the first edition uh it was a catholic a, a catholic archbishop i believe who was later then left the catholic church who wrote the introduction to it but john uh paul ii always carried this book with him he always had it on his bedstead and it was his favorite book and it's meditations on the tarot now the tarot is considered to be the card deck of the Bohemians. And it's considered in some cases totally anti-Catholic. And literally, you can say that many Protestants died over the, that book because it's not really a book. It's a set of cards. But there's meditations on them written by a man named Valentin Tomberg who wrote that book, Meditations on the Tarot, anonymously. But we all know who wrote it. It's not anonymous. And uh, we've all studied it, and it's all good, and there's some good stuff in there. It's a lot of Russian 
Martinism. And basically, if you take the works of Pappas, uh, Eliphas Levi, and a few other French occultists, and roll that in with Martinism, you have and, and Anthroposophy, the work of Rudolf Steiner, and some of the work of Helena Petrovna Blavatsky of Theosophy, roll it all together, shake it up in a bag, you come out with some pretty cool things. Matter of fact, there are certain chapters in this book that are great. Oh, yeah, there's some chapters I have dog ears and lines underneath. They're really good. And then there are other chapters that just don't speak to me. And then there's anthroposophists in the world, some of the top ones, who uh, believe this in this book, and they swear by it. It's the last book they're actually, it's going to be the book on their bedstand, just like Pope John Paul II. It's a book you pick up, open up anywhere, start reading it, and you just go, wow, wow. Because it's all the traditions... And compact, rolled into one in a big, thick book. And it's just, it's its astounding. Now, some of these people, some of the greatest studiers of these this kind of esoteric Western uh, esotericism, or especially Christian Western esotericism, as well as hermetic, as well as alchemical and all the other ones, they fight tooth and fang over this thing. Well, he read it. Now, how do I know that he had it in his bedstead? Because I know a person yes, whose name I will not say... Right. Right. But I'm going to give uh, send her a lot of love right now. Yeah, she's a, a she's very very active in the Catholic Church, and she was very close friends with John Paul II, and uh, she knew that he studied Rudolf Steiner. She knew that he studied this book. Weren't they going to make Rudolf Steiner or try to uh, get him to be a saint? There was rumor, and uh, the rumor comes directly from the representatives of the Committee on Beatification who came to question the inner group and the inner group of anthroposophy told me this that they questioned uh, the questions for beatification of Rudolf Steiner and of Valentin Tomberg and they were thinking at one moment that Tomberg kind of represented reincarnation and then Steiner represented karma and that the Catholic Church was just about ready to adopt reincarnation and karma and the Catholic Church had Pope John Paul II lived on longer he might have done so well the Jesuits certainly don't want a dogma of karma because they would have hell to pay. Well, in the end, he started going more conservative, and that's the reason he started appointing Jesuits as a concession to the people around him. He didn't want to die like previous popes, poisoned to death. And he's the one who set up this uh, Church of the Mother, or this monastery in the Vatican grounds for nothing but women who were there day and night praying for the Pope, praying for him. He started that. You know why? Because my friend really connected him in a very powerful way to uh, the wisdom uh, that was given out at Medjugorje, at Lourdes, the wisdom of Mother Mary and all the different apparitions and the whole traditions of Mother Mary. So he became very much a Marian in a way in his in his studies, and that's also thick throughout this book, Meditations on the Tarot. But when he was young, he studied Rudolf Steiner in his own home. As a matter of fact, he studied the four mystery dramas of Rudolf Steiner in his home as a study group before he became a priest. And what is then also not known is he also studied, uh, he studied Jung, he studied astrology, he studied all kinds of different things. So he was a very broad, broad-minded person. But more shocking than that, Michael McKibben met Pope John Paul II when he was, however you say, his Polish name. <laughs> right. 
when he was the bigwig in Poland, Michael McKibben hung out with him. He provided for Michael McKibben to travel around with his singing group to a bunch of different churches and a bunch of different venues, and basically, they were buds. So, literally, I get to hang out with, with two people who knew this person, and they know he was a saint. Now, I observing him, I would say he was a saint. And, and, and what's really strange is, is, is one time, uh, the first time I ever went to Rome uh, on my own, out of the blue, knowing nothing about it, I happened in the St. Peter's Square, and who came out on his balcony as part of this ceremony? Pope John Paul II. I was able to go right up, and then during the benediction, he's threw water on us. Some of the drops landed on my head, and I thought, okay, this is just unbelievable. Well, not being a Catholic, that really doesn't flip my butt. I that know, some old man in a balcony threw some water on you. Okay, <laughs> so that, that is really great, Pope Thomas. Pope John Paul II so, was the same. Um, you know, when, uh, oh, the Pope's taking himself down, and we <laughs> many people have thanked us for our articles on the horror of Babylon. And uh, people have never asked me to elaborate any further because I did such a thorough job in all of our intelligence reports showing you who Francis is and showing you the corruption of the Catholic Church right now. And also showing you this whole idea that we came up with, the white pope, the black pope, and in between the gray pope. Right now, Pope Francis is the gray pope. He's a black pope Jesuit and a white pope fake Francis. He's a Jesuit. Why would he name himself Francis? Francis I, the audacity, don't believe he's a wolf in sheep's clothing, a black pope in a white pope garb.